Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics. Every single week, we will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, which you could turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. here Friday night there was an anointing here of the Holy Spirit that we rarely have had here corporately and it was anointing where Holy Spirit came in and did something powerful in our spirit before our brain knew what was going on so when that happens it's really interesting for me personally to be ministering because I don't know if anybody's getting it and I don't know for sure what we're getting. I just know it's God. And so it's kind of like, what are we doing, Lord? But then I had so many people even who weren't here who were watching, texting and saying, wow, God just so set me free. So he set me free from something that I've been praying about. Um, It it wasn't something that I couldn't have kept the rest of my life and and been okay and... and, um, But it's awesome to be free. If you would just understand that getting free is not him taking something away from you. It's getting the enemy off of a part of you so God can have authority there. So God has authority there. And so you can have authority in your prayers. And so you'll have to go watch Friday nights if you can find it. It should be at beautyfreshes.org, I'm guessing. I don't know. It It probably won't be on Facebook after this. We took off. We left Facebook at some point, so I'm not even sure how much of the altar call and everything was on there. But what the Lord, I wasn't planning on doing what he had me do at all. at all, And it's kind of humbling, which he's into that. When he convicts you of something in front of people, even though it's just family, except for those I don't know watching. And he starts to change your heart in front of everybody. And you're like, wait a minute. Um, you know, can't we do this when we get home? Can't we do this when we get home? <laughs> you know, God, what are we doing? And so he started to deal with me personally. And, and it's the whole, you have to watch it because he really, how many were here that night? And how many did he really do something in your heart that was like amazing? Like you can't even kind of figure out how he did it. And he showed me the idols in our nation. That's the biggest, this is the biggest idol, I believe, in the United States of America. I believe this is the biggest idol in the United States of America. And I believe this idol is big in the church. And I believe this idol is extremely big um, in most people's hearts, no matter what your background um, is. And just really quickly, what he gave me was uh, the night before, sometime before that, I had a really clear vision of a, um, uh, it reminded me of something, somebody maybe young from Hampton University who had on, what's the name of that? Say it out loud. Oh, great. Word I can release. Gashiki. Gashiki, whatever. Anyway, it's African garb that became very popular during the whole black power time. And, and it's the hat, 
it's the guys wear this little round kind of hat with bright colors and some kind of, and I saw this really nice looking young, probably in his thirties, a uh, black male who had this on it. It's like a split second. I saw it with my eyes or in the spirit. I don't know. It looked, it was so real. It was like detailed and that's all. And it was gone. I'm thinking, Lord, what are you showing me? And remember he told us through what happened last week and was awesome and um, really set the course of this ministry for quite a ways to come. But we are going to win Newport News. And what we're really winning is we are going to win interracial communities within our cities that's going to go across this nation. And we're going to win them by spiritual warfare and then by evangelism. And that's what we're going to do. That's why he put us here. As much as I've been trying to get away from here, he's not wanted me to get away from here. And I finally figured that out after Stevie Mitchell came and really ministered prophetically. And so the Lord showed me when that started happening, it, if you look it up, it has to do with black pride. And then now we have pride in, how many know that anything that says pride probably isn't good? Okay, pride goes before destruction. Okay, there's haughtiness first. Haughtiness comes and says, I'm better than you. Haughtiness says, this is going to give me something to look down. Do you know people who we would look at as being the worst of the worst, they still walk in pride because they're actually prideful of their criminal records, some of them. They're prideful of how many people they've slept with. They're prideful of how many uh, things they've gotten away with. So pride has to do with being puffed up in things that God cannot be connected with, but also puffed up in things that God could be about, except for you're doing it without God. And that's what Lucifer did. Lucifer's biggest uh, personality trait, if you want to say, the, the, the nature of Satan is pride, independence from God, okay? Not wanting God's ways, not identifying with Christ. So anyway, so my whole little, so he showed me that and I knew, I didn't know how what happened after that, when we talked about that, had anything to do with that. Because then the Lord, I, for some reason, I got talking about how many pair of boots I have, which was, I, it was actually, I think it was only 25, not 30, but then I forgot about these others, so it probably was. Anyway, and the Lord told me, and they all fit pretty much, and they're all nice, and all this, and the Lord's like, started dealing with me, you know, to give some of those away, and, um, and I really didn't want to, because I just organized them, I had room for them, and I could actually wear them, and so I'm... Like, okay, but I'm having this um, personal struggle, which some of you do. It's not about what you do. It's about what's in your heart that doesn't want to say yes to God. Legalism brings death. Legalism, okay, let's give everything away and have this, you know. He's not concerned with what is going on outside of you. He's concerned with what's going on inside of you. And, and he's going, he's preparing us to win this nation. You know, the shaking that's going on is going to affect all of us, whether you like it or not, it's going to affect. And everybody thinks things aren't great. Okay. We're in the shaking at the hand of God, not the enemy. He is going to turn over the money tables. I believe churches are going to start closing left and right in big ministries because the finances that they've been living high lifestyles is going to go away. 
because that's the key. The Lord showed me the idol in this nation is lifestyle. Okay, that doesn't mean that if you don't have much and you don't care about stuff, you still have a lifestyle. Everybody here has a lifestyle. Some people's lifestyle is messy, horrible looking homes that they don't take care of, but you know, but they go and spend their time somewhere else. Some people's lifestyle is working on this hobby or that hobby. Some people's lifestyle is, you see what I'm saying? Everybody has a lifestyle. So when Black Pride came, they began to break away from the lifestyle that had kept them feeling in bondage or whatever, or poor, and they began to break away to a lifestyle to celebrate um, their ancestry. Now, that's fine, except for as Christians, born-again believers, we are called to the same lifestyle. So it's fine. It doesn't matter the lifestyle of unsaved people. I mean, it can impact other people depending on that lifestyle. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have our lifestyle is in Christ. Now, that doesn't mean I have to look like the Pentecostal camp. It doesn't mean if you're hyper-spiritual and you're all hyper-religious that you have a really lifestyle, a Christian lifestyle. That's not a Christian lifestyle. Lifestyle. So what is the lifestyle of Christ? What does it look like to be a Christian? I didn't have to go give away all my stuff. I actually got home. The Lord said, you don't have to give away those five pair of boots if you don't want to. I said, no, I'm going to because now I easily can. So, Nicole, I got a couple more pair for you to look at. But anyhow, because she's, where's my size? I, oh, I've never had trouble giving away things if there was somebody I knew who had a need. It's not a need if you have it and you just don't have as much as I do. It's a need if I go to another nation and they don't have anything and I'll give them my coat. I gave my coat away to Russia the first day I was there and had to be in Russia for two weeks without a coat. And God made it unseasonably warm. How cool is God? Well, how warm was God then? So, so it's, the, it's a lifestyle. And Lord begin to show me, I want you to lay down your idol of the American lifestyle. The nation had better lay that down. Now, that American lifestyle is, is anything that you as an American have as your lifestyle. The church has to lay that down. Because if we lay that down and we mean it and our lifestyles in Christ, there's nothing that they can take from us. Okay, there's nothing they can take from us. So I begin to seek the Lord about as I said, Lord, get this. That, that night he delivered me. I don't know for sure. And he showed me back to connections with um, an aunt. I had an aunt that had a really fun lifestyle. She could go into a little store and spend hundreds of dollars and buy all kinds of goofy stuff and never care what she was buying. And, and she was fun. And we went here and there. She had terrible health problems. And she, she died young. And that's why they said I had to break the idolatry towards that. But when I was having some difficult times with my own mother, this person was somebody that loved me unconditionally and cared about me and was a really fun person. And so I really, and I thank God for people like that, okay? We need to be those people in other people's lives. When they can't get what they need from a parent for whatever the enemy's done, 
They need somebody. God wants to have us to be able to step in and, and, and give ourselves into those situations. Grandmas, right now with our crazy world, you could really be being used by God if you walk led by his spirit and, re, and just give out unconditional love. So anyway, so it was so cool to get free from, so I was having these little dreams about stuff. I was having all these crazy little dreams and little things happening. And, um, and this wasn't like a big idol in my life. This was something that went way, way back. I'd already gotten free from the love of money, free from this and free from that. And, and um, anyway, so I began to ask the Lord. So the Lord began to share with me, what is the lifestyle of a Christian? Now, listen, because some of y'all don't get this and some people watching. It's not me trying to imitate in the natural something that has to come by the spirit. So number one, a Christian lifestyle is spirit-led. So you might think your lifestyle is Christian, but is Holy Spirit really leading it? And so, because there's a lot of religious things that have turned people off, right? There, there's a lot of places you could go and our kid, nobody's drawn to it. That doesn't mean that they don't have a Christian lifestyle. It means they've taken on some bondages to make Christian lifestyle look like, you know, no makeup or, you know, have to do this or do that. That doesn't mean they don't have a Christian lifestyle, but that's not the Christian lifestyle. My outward appearance is not my Christian lifestyle. Okay. So what is a Christian lifestyle? So we're going to be looking, I've told you guys to do this, and I'm hoping some of you really decide, you know what, I do want to do this. Go study the Gospels and see what Jesus' lifestyle was. And I'm just give you a real quick example. It's really cool. I looked up the word lifestyle um, after I got home that night. And so if you're interested, go get a, you have to get an amplified version of the Bible and look up um, the word lifestyle. It's the only place you'll see that word. But in that place, it was four scriptures that were pretty cool. And I may share those in a minute. But let me go to this. Um, I'm just going to show you really fast and quickly, maybe. <laughs> Y'all laugh at that. How you could do this. How you could ask. First of all, a Christian lifestyle means you know you want Holy Spirit to teach you. You know you want Holy Spirit to show you and to give you revelation. A whole, the Christian lifestyle is one where Holy Spirit leads. You can do all these things without the Holy Spirit leading, and it's not a Christian lifestyle. It doesn't mean you couldn't look more Christian. It doesn't mean what you're doing might be better than if you weren't trying to imitate a Christian lifestyle. But a Christian lifestyle can't even begin until Holy Spirit comes in and takes over in your life. Does everybody get that? So we need to quit separating the Holy Spirit from Christianity. There is no Christianity without the Holy Spirit. There is no Holy Spirit-led um, lifestyle without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit had to come to planet Earth. Jesus said, it's better that I leave that I can send Holy Spirit. He means that. So if all I can do is read the word and see what Jesus did, then I'm not getting the fullness of where we're living now in this day, right? Because I'm actually kind of hoping I was back when Jesus was walking around and watching him and trying to do what he did. And that's legalistic. 
And that causes a lot of people not to want to be Christians, just so you know. You've, if, if you live a legalistic life, you actually turn people off. The Bible says, you know, that when you use that word legalistically, even, it's almost a weapon in the hand of the enemy. How horrible is that? And so a lot of young people aren't drawn to Christianity. A lot of young people aren't going to church. A lot of people have walked away from church. And legalism really is what Jesus died to set us free from. Now, legalism is better overall for you personally if you don't want a relationship with Jesus through the Holy Spirit because at least you're going to be doing good things. You're not going to kill. You're not going to, you know, do those. You're going to handle the Ten Commandment things and and all that. So it's going to make a, a better society, right? But he didn't die to give us a better society. He died so that he would have his lifestyle demonstrated on the earth by people led by his spirit. So his lifestyle works in the Philippines. His lifestyle works in the trailer park. His lifestyle works um, wherever you work. His lifestyle works. No matter, you can be in a fancy neighborhood. His lifestyle works. Okay, his lifestyle works in colleges. His lifestyle works everywhere because there is no lifestyle in Christ without Holy Spirit leading you, plain and simple, okay? So that's what's kind of cool about being born again. We have God himself to lead us in everything. I I just have to be honest. I, I don't know how people stand almost life without hearing God and being directed by God. And, and the Lord has completely, I believe, set me free from trying to tell you what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Because it's really easy to know biblically what you should do and how, but that is not helping you. It's actually part of the whole covering thing. So I've renounced that completely, broke the power of that completely. It's busybody. it's whatever. Stay out of other people's business. Jesus was so much as to say, I think it was Peter asked, God told, Jesus told Peter how he was going to die. Then Peter's like, well, what about him talking, I think about John the Beloved. And Jesus is like, that's none of your business. What's it to you if he's here when I return? So we have to start telling ourselves, that's none of my, it's none of my business who comes to church regularly and who doesn't. It's none of my business. It is in the part of overseeing a ministry and having to give an account for every soul that God sends into this place. So I'm going to have to stand before the Lord one day for real and tell him, why did, what, how did I try to help that person? And did they listen and what was going on and all that? So it's, it's going to be interesting for how many people have been in and out of this place. And so I just get my heart right and I ask the Lord to show me. And if I need to call somebody and apologize, whatever, I've done it. So, so there is a, an accountability to God. And even that, when he says, what have you done? It has to be spirit-led, Holy Spirit-led. Does everybody get that? You cannot do this without Holy Spirit. Now, don't, don't, if that makes you feel sad, then you need to tell that devil to leave in Jesus' name because there's nothing greater than being spirit-led. Jesus died on that cross for the joy that was set before him. What was that joy? That we would be spirit-led, that we would become sons and daughters of God. 
So it's good news. And so you just, and it's for everybody. Everyone who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord, every single one of those people who accepts Jesus Christ as Lord and he comes into your heart, you are now born again of the spirit of the living God and you can be spirit-led. Everyone say, I can be spirit-led. And I'm going to be, by the grace of God, spirit-led. Remember what he told us, if you were here during the early worship, lay down all the things he's been tearing down. I just saw in the spirit, like a big rubble, that we've been doing that and doing that to help people get free and begin to be built up, okay? So quit going back to that rubble and looking at all the stuff that God's been tearing, has torn down. Thank him for tearing it down and now be built up in your most holy faith, okay? Now is a brand new season. For a lot of people, some people have been being built up for years, but some of you haven't. So I want you to let go of the past and realize today I'm going to be built up in Christ. So, so I looked at this. So I just turned just right away to this um, when I was in worship. Matthew 14 is a really, really good place. Any of the gospels are. To really see Jesus and to see his, if we want to say, lifestyle. Not to imitate the lifestyle, but to see what it looks like when Holy Spirit leads. Okay? What does it look like when Holy Spirit leads? What did his life look like? It does not look like a boring life. He did not stand out as looking different than everybody else. He did not not go to weddings. He went to weddings. He had gigantic picnics. He did all kinds of great fun things. He talked to sinners. He, he was not, his lifestyle, if it wasn't Holy Spirit led, sometimes would look like the devil was in charge. Talking to some bimbo by the well, all by himself, who, you know, letting a woman wipe her hair all over his feet and kiss him in front of a lot of people? Come on. That doesn't look like a Christian lifestyle. So I want to bust all your ridiculous little thinking because some get that hyper-spiritual thing, maybe not here, there's a few here, but on there. And then some gets this, you know, um, what, see, you can't let some lady wipe her hair on your feet unless Holy Spirit is doing that. See, see you can't imitate the lifestyle of Christ. You have to yield to the Holy Spirit, and then you are in the Christian lifestyle. When I'm led by the Spirit of God, I am in the Christian lifestyle. When I'm led by the Holy Spirit, there is no condemnation. That's why even for those who were here Friday night, which was a very different night, and the anointing was very different, very powerful, very fearful in a good way. But when that was happening, I, I couldn't even tell you what was going on because I hadn't, my brain could not catch up with what he was doing and how he was setting me free from something I didn't really even understand at all. That's how awesome he is. And so 
When you humble yourself before the Lord, he can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He could anyway. Let me just say that. He could do it anyway, but you can receive it and benefit from it when you humble yourself before the Lord. Which means, Lord, show me what's going on. Okay, we'll do this. Okay. I'm not going to change topics, though. I want to right now. The Lord knows he could tell me these things in secret. He knows it. He knows I'd hear him. He knows I'd humble myself. He knows I'd, I'd turn from my wicked ways. He knows it. He knows it. And yet he cho chose to do it during a meeting about how to intercede for our community. Because for one thing, he was demonstrating how this really works by the Spirit. Because I can't explain to you how that happens. But if you would be where he wants you to be, when he wants you to be there, he, you might experience it some. And you might even in your homes. And if your brain can't catch any of this, good. Because way too much of Christianity taught in our churches is to your brains. And Holy Spirit ministers to our spirit until our brain catches up. And I feel I'm doing it again today because I'm going to tell you what, this is the new wineskin. This is the new wineskin. You're, gonna, you're not even sometimes going to know how he changed you when he changed you. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I don't, I don't even get it. Good. Because he's the one in you who already knows it. So how do you preach? You just preach the word. And the Holy Spirit does what he wants to do. So just for example, for Matthew 14, I just turned to this during worship when he told me, show them, show them me. Because everybody has a preconceived idea about him. Um, and this is just one thing. Okay, so uh, let's just go here. Um, oh, gosh, it's all too good. This is what I do. I was like, oh, it's just too good. It's too good. Okay, let's just look at it. Matthew 14, 12. First of all, right before this, um, Herod, Herod's, um, the woman he's with that wouldn't really be his wife, he has, she has John the Baptist beheaded. Okay, so we're talking about something that really grieved the Lord. John, John the Baptist was his friend. John the Baptist was a cousin. And God did not, Holy Spirit did not have Jesus go and rescue John the Baptist. And Jesus is Holy Spirit led. So something tragic just happened in the community. And the Father did not have Jesus stop it. So, guess what? You can look at this and say, what does the Christian lifestyle look like led by Holy Spirit? For one thing, it doesn't mean every single tragic thing that we want to stop is going to stop. Jesus did not stop this from happening. So he says, Matthew 14, 12, they've just heard about this. And having come, his disciples took the body and buried it and come in, they reported to Jesus. Okay, so see the real picture here. Here's his disciples, Jesus' disciples. Here's these believers. They're just starting to follow the Lord. 
and they just buried the body of one they were following that helped lead them to Jesus Christ. How many know that would be a little bit shocking? How many that would be like, well, wait a minute, I, I thought he's the Lord. What's going on? Okay, and having heard, what does this mean? This means the Father did not reveal to Jesus what the enemy was up to in this, this situation. Okay, so can we all say this? Even spirit-filled believing prophets, spirit-filled believing leaders, spirit-filled believing people don't always know what the enemy is up to. We know what the Father's up to. I'm just getting this right now just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> we know what the Father's up to, but the Father did not reveal what the enemy was up to. How happy is that? All right. Now let's look at Jesus. I reported it to Jesus. And having heard, okay, Jesus withdrew privately from there in a boat. Oh, so what does the Christian lifestyle include? Things you don't understand. Things that seem like, well, how could this happen? Things that seem like, did I miss it? And so what did Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Son of Man, mainly the Son of God. But here, he's demonstrating himself as the Son of Man, just so you know it. When we look at the Gospels, we're seeing what it looks like to have Holy Spirit inside of a human. Does everybody get that? So everything, I believe in heaven now, Jesus knows everything. I believe, be, except for his time on earth, he, know, he knows everything. He may not know, he probably knows now the times and the seasons of the Father, you know, when he's there, but he's demonstrating here, this is what it's going to look like, everybody. So let's quit trying to make ourselves know things we can't know yet. And let's not open ourselves to conjuring and let's pray for the prophets and the different ones who haven't got this revelation yet. So he said, and this first time I ever got it. Okay. So, and having heard, what did he hear? Bad news. Disappointing news. Something he can't change because he doesn't even have the head. The head is somewhere else, and he only has a dead body that's been buried. We don't know for sure it was even in a tomb. So Jesus withdrew privately from there in a boat into a deserted place. What's a Christian lifestyle? When you get slammed with something, you get away from people, you don't make 20 phone calls, you first go and talk to God alone. You begin to understand that going on Facebook and having everybody pray for something is not an action you do unless Holy Spirit tells you to do it. And he can tell you to do it. That's why there, we can't make rules for this, okay? But we're watching here a real time of Jesus and what a spirit-filled, believing person does and looks like, okay? Now, but he in hearing, so the crowds followed him on foot out of the cities. Everybody wants to be near him. He's already done miracles. He's already done power. They don't care that he's going through a tough time. A time of asking God, what's going on? What are we doing here? All right. Going out, 
But then going out, Jesus saw a great crowd that was filled with compassion or pity towards them, and he healed their infirm ones. How amazing is he? How amazing is he? He didn't say, wait a minute. I'm taking a week off. I'm not talking to anybody. I just went through a bad thing. Man, gosh, sometimes we have a, a day of disappointments, and we're already outside. We no longer are walking in the Christian lifestyle. We're right in our pity party. I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to do whatever. Jesus, and how many know we all, I won't know, I won't say you. I know I kind of do this, okay? So I'm like, you know what? I just want to do stupid stuff. I don't even want to think about people right now. I don't want to think about hurting people. I don't want to think about what's going on in, our, in the church. I don't want to think about what's going on in um, our nation. I just really want some dumb time. And Jesus didn't want jump, dumb time in his Christian lifestyle. He wanted to get along with God. He wanted to hang out with God. But then when he saw the needs of the people, he responded and became the healer. So the Christian lifestyle means we can respond to what's going on around us and reveal God. And we can heal, hurt people, even when we haven't maybe completely gotten past what's attacking us. If you're going to let the things that are attacking you order your steps and your time, you can almost guarantee things are going to keep attacking you. Why? Because the enemy has authority. He has learned how to order your steps. He has learned how to order your steps. I'm sure the demons and Lucifer himself were pretty ticked off when Jesus got out of the boat. Now, we don't know how long he was in the boat. We don't, he probably had a breakthrough with the father in the boat. All we know is when he got out, he was already ready. After he spent that time with the father, no matter how short it was, we don't know. I don't, I don't have an idea here. But whatever time it was, he was right back ready to glorify his father. So, so what does the Christian lifestyle look like? It looks like healing people. It looks like serving people, which you're going to see in a minute. I mean, we're just looking at one little couple of days in the life of Jesus, and we see so much of the Christian lifestyle that it's amazing. He doesn't talk about what he's wearing. He doesn't talk about um, you know, what his house looks like. He doesn't talk about the world's lifestyle. And some people think he had rich robes. I, I don't really care because he didn't really care. He, I know he won't neck it. That wasn't proper English. I know he wasn't neck it. I know he ate. I know he uh, had lots of friends and everything. But the Christian lifestyle, see, if we lay down the other, it doesn't mean we're not going to exist there, right? I'm still going to exist in the house I'm in. I'm still going to show up uh, here. But my lifestyle is not in that anymore. And truthfully, my lifestyle has been in Christ. I just I didn't see the mixture trying to get in. I didn't see the Lord trying to teach me and show me to lay all this down. Okay, so I'm not laying down dressing up. I like to dress up. And then sometimes I like to dress not up. I, I do, it doesn't matter to me. But it matters to a lot of people in our nation. And too many people are fighting the enemy now for a lifestyle 
instead of the lifestyle of Christ. Do you get what I'm saying? We can all act all spiritual as we want, okay? But if we get real honest and raw with God, we're a little more concerned about how this could change our lifestyle than we are about stopping the murder of babies and serving Baal and being a paganist nation and watching our children be taught incorrectly and, um, and how much, you know, way we may have to eat different or do things different. And I, I don't have that much trouble with it because I've gone to other nations and I'm perfectly content in really poor nations. And, and I realize now it's because of my lifestyle. Like when I go to these other nations, my lifestyle is totally in Christ. Like, like I just live in that lifestyle and I really enjoy it. I enjoy that I'm just ministering and praying for people and serving people and paying for other people's things and, 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 and just doing whatever he wants. It's kind of like I leave my American lifestyle and I go into the kingdom lifestyle full blown. Anybody's with me? I'm going to tell you, you'll see that, you know, you'll be like, well, she's not even trying to live her American lifestyle at all. If I'm on, if I'm on a mission that God sent me on, it can be even in the States. I don't care about sightseeing. I really don't. I don't care about doing fun things. I don't even really care about where, where I eat or if I eat. I just really, really want to do what he's called me to do. And I love it. Okay. I love his lifestyle. I love living in the kingdom. And I believe everything that's going to be shaken may just leave us in this nation, at least for a season, with not much of a lifestyle except what can't be shaken. Because isn't that's what he's going to do, shake everything that can be shaken. And I want to encourage you to begin to see what his lifestyle, being in the kingdom lifestyle, is like. Because the enemy can't take that. See, that's why Corey Tenenboom could be in such a horrific, horrific place as the Holocaust and have her lifestyle untouched. Is this making sense to anybody? Be because we're, if we're going to fight the enemy, we cannot be fighting for our lifestyles as Americans. We have to be fighting for our lifestyle as Christians. Which means I want other people to know Christ. I want to be able to evangelize. I want, to, I don't want to go into the dark ages. I what, we have to lay down the idol that this is about the lifestyle we have. We also have to recognize that the people who are buying into the lies and hating our nation are people who don't like their lifestyle because they're jealous of another lifestyle. So instead of doing what it would take to, to, Basically, you got two, two things set up in our nation. And one says, look at this fancy lifestyle. We want it. And the other one says, you'll never have it, but we'll try to help you be okay. And th that's really the two things going on. But for us to help you to be okay, we need you to serve bail with us. And we need you to kill babies and put them in the fire. Because, gosh, if you have those babies, you'll never have enough money to, to even begin to get close to that lifestyle. We hate that lifestyle. That lifestyle is oppressive. That lifestyle just wants you to work really, really hard, and then they get everything. So give us your babies. Give us your families. Give us everything, and we'll make sure we're going to punish that lifestyle. And, and you know what? We'll make their lifestyle like your lifestyle, but we'll make yours a little better by making theirs a lot worse. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. That's the bitterness. Now, 
there's another reason for being over on this lifestyle thinking, because you got this lifestyle, but you feel so guilty about it. So you have the lifestyle of somebody over here. Let's just think they maybe look like, um, I can't remember what anything is, elephants. You got an elephant lifestyle, but you feel so guilty about having an elephant lifestyle when there's some people who don't have an elephant lifestyle. So if we support the people who want to help the people, ha-ha, who can never have an elephant lifestyle, let's support them so they can throw a few crumbs to the people who will never afford an elephant lifestyle. Isn't code fun? You get what I'm saying? So we have, if we're going to look at spirits and we have to lay down, we have to realize, and let me just say, there's a lot of people who are jealous of an elephant lifestyle. And that's a spirit of bitterness. It's a spirit of the love of money. Instead of, and they bought the lie, I can never have the elephant lifestyle. Well, truthfully, you can have whatever. First of all, you don't need the elephant lifestyle. You need a lifestyle in Christ. So I'm fighting for our nation to have a lifestyle in Christ, to get rid of paganism, to get rid of the bitter roots, the love of money. There's tons of love of money and success over in the elephant group, but there's a lot of it over in the mule group too. But the mule group wants to make sure that people realize how bad that elephant lifestyle is. While everyone in the mule group who's leading the mule group have even more than the elephant lifestyle. Right? And what a, what a joke. That doesn't mean, here's the key, I don't know. If, we, if you are in... Um, if you were in a communist nation, pure communist nation, you would have a very small group who have beyond the elephant lifestyle. But there's may even get to the elephant lifestyle, and that's it. And then a few others may get beyond that into elitist lifestyle, right? But overall, you have everybody in less than our mule lifestyle in this nation. So that's the lifestyle. Why would anybody want that lifestyle? Because we're going to have food and, we're, and all we have to do is whatever the other people tell us to do and they won't kill us. Oh, they'll tell us how many babies we can have. Baal is fed so big in certain communist nations that they do not even have a population of women to marry the men because they want a son to take care of them in that lifestyle, and they're only allowed one child. Now they've gone to two, and all of a sudden there's nothing but men. So they're going to other nations and kidnapping women to come and marry the sons because they believe so much in abortion that they, in serving Baal that they literally kill almost all the daughters 
so that they could have their one token son. And they got a big mess because when you start messing around with taking God's place, you're going to have a mess. Anyway, I'm getting way too... I'm just hoping, I'm opening your minds to it doesn't matter. These demonic spirits after lifestyles are, are idols. And there's full of bondage and fear and, and feeling superior or inferior. And all this mess is operating in that. Okay, all this mess is operating in that. And, and I want to make this clear. This is not talking about because you don't have much that you think your lifestyle's holy. You're not having much doesn't make your lifestyle holy and it doesn't make it unholy. But personally, I want to prosper to glorify God, but I also want to prosper to help for real, get a heart to have more orphanages, to get food more places, to go to more nations. It's in the kingdom. Jesus never had trouble. You never see Jesus in any of it. We'll see that in a minute. He, he doesn't have trouble feeding the multitudes. He doesn't have trouble having whatever he needed to have for that day. And none of us would have, none of us would have changed our lifestyle for his in the natural. They didn't have running water. They didn't have electricity. They didn't have meat cars. They didn't have gasoline. They didn't have electric fire. They, didn't, they, they were minimalist. Right? I mean, even when they went into the promised land in the scripture, it wasn't the American lifestyle. Is this helping anybody? Because we got to know what we're fighting. But we also got to know what is God asking us for. All right. So here, just, and I'm showing you how I'm giving you something really cool to do instead of going to YouTube and Facebook and, and sports and all that. Spend some time in the Gospels seeing the true life of Jesus, seeing the Christian lifestyle, and ask Holy Spirit to reveal it to you and make it real to you. Because then you won't get off track with the prosperity doctrine that's gone too wild. You also won't get off track with, with um, living, um, you know, dressing so modest, you know, that nobody gets you at all. And, you know, it, it's not about... It's not about any of that. It's not about any of that. You are free to, to do what the Lord says you can do. I, I can go buy boots today if I want. For real, and I might. Not today. I got to go clean for Thanksgiving. But I'm just saying. So I just want everybody to know who was here Friday. I didn't get into bondage and call it freedom. I got free from being afraid of losing the lifestyle that I have and praying with my motives wrong. Does anybody get what I'm saying? So now I can pray with motives that are pure when I attack the enemy trying to stop the Christian, the true Christian lifestyle in this nation, okay? Which is healing the sick, preaching the gospel, serving, loving people unconditionally, preaching loudly, boldly, going in and... and protesting by turning over the tables in the church and say, my house shall be a house of prayer, getting free from all bondage and totally yielded to Holy Spirit, no matter what the cost. That is the Christian lifestyle. That you can take anywhere he sends you. That's what I walk in really almost seriously, probably, probably almost 
100%, at least 97% when I go overseas. That's why I enjoy it, but I don't care about how, how pretty the place was or how bad the hotel was. Or I don't even think like that. And, and I'm believing as we're watching our nation go through this season we're going to be going through, he's bringing the church to that place. And then when that's the place that I really live in, then there's nothing that can be shaken. I know this scares everybody. That's all right. All right. So here he goes out after all this. He saw the great crowd. He was filled with compassion towards them, and he healed their infirm ones. And when the evening came, his disciples came near to him, saying, The place is deserted, and the hour is already gone by. Dismiss the crowds that are going away into the village as they may buy provisions for themselves. So basically, I really want you to see Jesus. I want you to see his lifestyle, and I'm calling it that just to make this particular point, okay? When I say lifestyle, see what being spirit-led looked like in the life of Jesus. And begin to say, that's going to be my lifestyle, what my life looks like being spirit-led. Everybody say, what my life looks like being Holy Spirit-led is going to be my lifestyle. Whew. It's going to be my priority. I'm letting this other lifestyle or idolatry about lifestyle be laid down in the name of Jesus. So if it gets shaken, it won't matter because it won't matter anymore. If it still matters, just spend more time with God, right? All right. Spend more time with God anyway. All right. So Jesus says to them, now, I love this. Okay, look at this. This is, okay, this Christian lifestyle, this is what we're calling it, okay, doesn't mean that the disciples don't use reasoning and logic for real and care about the people and say, hey, we have a need, Jesus. I want you to see this. The Christ, Jesus didn't rebuke them and say, don't tell me natural things like that, Right? Does everybody get what I'm saying? That's hyper baloney, okay? Jesus listened to their concern. He didn't rebuke them for, for recognizing, hey, it's getting dark and these people are hungry and we don't have enough food to feed them. And so what does Jesus say? Then Jesus thinks about it. He says, they have no need to go away. We're going to give them food here to eat. Oh my gosh. This is the Christian lifestyle. Okay, how powerful is this if we're looking at food running out, possibly in the days ahead? The Christian lifestyle, Holy Spirit could actually give somebody revelation. He could give you revelation to stock up. He can give you revelation to start praying for increase. But for Jesus right now is already looking at everything and he's saying, you know what, we're going to feed them. Anyway, so you know the story. Um, they tell them what they have. So what? So you, until your food pantry runs out, this is not going to work for you. But I don't encourage you to let your food pantry run out to see if this will work for you. Does anybody get what I'm saying? This is when it runs out. Then it works for you. This isn't a way for you not to have to buy groceries anymore so you can save money. 
This isn't so that you're not generous because they ask what's around that we can use. Does everybody get this? These other nations need to get this. If we can't get money to certain nations to, to pay for things, they're going to have to really learn to walk in this. We may have to learn to walk in this. Every now and then we've seen it, like something runs out at a potluck or something, and we pray, and it just it doesn't run out. That's the Christian lifestyle. Problem solving. First figuring out what the problem is, then praying from direction from Holy Spirit, and then solving the problem. And then Jesus gets the answer anyway. All right. So you can see that part. Um, he says, bring them here to me. And he, and okay. So when we see what Jesus and his authority, he had a powerful leadership gifting, didn't he? He was able to tell everybody, hey, sit down. These people weren't rebellious. They were like, no, we don't want to sit down. I'll stand up if I want. I'll sit where I want. I don't see anybody even arguing with him. Because of the authority he walked in and the love he walked in and because of what he just preached and taught. And so then he says, hey, come on, everybody, sit down. And he looks up to heaven. All right. So the Christian lifestyle is when you need a miracle, you look up to heaven first. When he looks up to heaven, he's not looking up to a cloud or a bird. He's looking up to his father, okay? Because the heavenly father stays in heaven. Personally, I personally believe that where the father is, is the beginning of all things. He's always been. And therefore, I actually believe it's going to be Jesus who comes and rules and reigns. I personally believe it was Jesus who walked in the garden. I actually don't think the Father ever walked anywhere. I think he is the beginning of all things, and all things go forth from him, and therefore everything comes back to him, and Jesus is what I call God came forth from himself, created, came forth out of himself, made himself in his own image, which is his son, kind of call it mobile God, and was able to then go and be part of the creation. How cool is God? Holy Spirit's everywhere. There's nowhere that Holy Spirit isn't. There's nothing that exists that wasn't created by God, including hell. So Holy Spirit is everywhere. But he's really, he's more than just, he's amazing because he really is a, a, a person. So not really, none of them are people to be quite honest. He really is God and he really does have a position and he had to be sent down. So there obviously has to be um, wow, just a lot of mystery about Holy Spirit, right? Just a lot of mystery about he's everywhere all the time. He can never not be somewhere or th that place wouldn't exist. And yet there's a presence of God called Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, that's so powerful that he could actually be sent down from the Father, even though we couldn't even be here if he wasn't already here. How cool is that? Is it okay that we're not going to understand everything fully, even though we have the mind of Christ? Anyway, so he looks up to heaven, which is him revealing he knows where the Father is. Right? He knows where the Father is. No one can look at the Father and live. That's even true today. If somebody walked in there without the blood of Jesus, they would just disintegrate. But everybody looked at Jesus, right? When Jesus came down, everybody, nobody, they didn't just drop dead everywhere, right? Okay, so there, that's the Father. No one can look at the Father and live. 
when we get to heaven, we can because we go in through the blood, which Jesus was showing us today, right? Everybody can go in by his blood. You could be the, you could just live such a squeaky clean life and hang out with God all the time. Do you know what? You still can't go into the Father except by the blood. I cannot go into the presence of God except by the blood. The worst sinner in here, the worst, well, you messed up so bad, you're still into all kinds of garbage, possibly, I hope not. But you can still go in because of the same way I can go in because of the blood of Christ. And I encourage you to go in because if you go in, you'll be like Isaiah and say, oh, I'm unclean. Help me, God. Gosh, get this off of me. All of a sudden, you'll hate what he hates. But if you hang outside and never go in, you don't realize the very power to set you free is going into the presence of God. Okay. So he looks up and recognizes it. And breaking the bread, he gives the loaves to the disciples and they give it to the crowd. So there's a very specific way he's organizing these, these uh, disciples to help him. And, and um, they're gladly doing it. They're amazed at the power of God. They're amazed at this awesome Lord Jesus Christ, right? And they ate more satisfied. They took up the leftover pieces, 12 handful baskets. I'm not getting all that. There's prophetic on all this. There are about 5,000 people besides women and children, which means at least 10, 20, 30, could be up to 30. They had a lot of kids back then. Immediately, Jesus made, okay, as soon as they finished eating, because it's getting dark, immediately... I just want you to see his lifestyle. Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go before him to the other side until he could dismiss the crowds. <gasps> he didn't want them to carry his books. He didn't say, I preached all day. I am the anointed of God. I just healed people. I just multiplied the food and fed thousands. Y'all clean up. And we better break this off of the church. The lifestyle of a Christian is to serve. It's to serve and 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 to serve, and to serve. And if God's given you a gift to serve and you love to serve, then you ought to shine in serving because you're revealing a big part of the lifestyle of Christ. If you like hospitality and having people over and glorifying God, then I'm going to tell you what, get everything out of your house that would stop you from glorifying God. And that might even be family members if they're over the age of 18. If you know that when you're serving, you are shining for God and you're in his will and you know in that place this is what God's called you to, then get everything out of the way where you cannot glorify him. So... It'll help you get free from enabling. Instead of thinking, oh, I'm enabling, I'm enabling, I'm enabling. It's like, no, I'm not able to serve God the way I'm called to serve God because of this entanglement. Get away from me. I'm going after God. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to glorify God. I'm going to do what God wants no matter what. See, he wants to begin to build us up.
and our most holy faith. So when things begin to entangle you and make it so you can't serve God and make it so your lifestyle, your lifestyle is messing up the lifestyle you're supposed to have in Christ. If you see your lifestyle as, well, I've just got to have fun all the time and my whole lifestyle is about, you know, going and relaxing and my whole lifestyle is about, you know, uh, shopping or my whole lifestyle is about eating out all the time. Bury that lifestyle before God's going to shake it. But let's say you enjoy outdoor events. Let's just say God's given you a heart to enjoy that. Then maybe, maybe you ought to stir up the gifting to evangelize because you're probably around a lot of people who need to hear about Jesus. Do, do you understand what I'm saying? You take your lifestyle with you if you're born again, everywhere you go. Anyway, you can keep looking. It keeps going on and on. He dismissed the crowds. Then what does he do again? He goes up to the mountain to pray alone. He liked being alone. He loved being alone. Christian lifestyle includes a lot of time alone. Why? Because you're never alone. If you don't make time for a secret place and hanging out with God, you are not living very much in a Christian lifestyle. And if your natural lifestyle is your excuse then God's going to shake it. It's gonna, God's going to shake everything that can be shaken that keeps you from living in your Christian lifestyle. The enemy's going to attack everywhere he can to keep you from your Christian lifestyle. He's, you know, he'll try sickness, he'll try headaches, he'll try busyness, he'll try financial problems, he'll try codependency. Do you understand what I'm saying? Satan does not want you walking out the Christian lifestyle. Just in this one little bit, a couple sentences, in at least a couple of days of Jesus' life, we see him. And his main priority was serve, do what he had to do. But every time it's like, I can't wait to get with the Father. I can't wait to go talk to God. I can't wait to be alone. I can't wait to be alone. Some of you need to break the idolatry that being alone is bad. Because you open yourselves up for the enemy to bring the wrong people into your life that can make you not being alone. It can even be good idolatry. In other words, I want that lifestyle where I'm just have somebody to go somewhere with all the time and do things with all the time and, and this, that, and the other. And I'm not saying God won't bring somebody into your life, but he is more about you not needing somebody in your life. You should not need anyone in your life. When you're in the Christian lifestyle, God is more than enough. Everything else that's need-based is codependent and something the devil can try to target to control you, to hurt you, to lengthen up. So we've got to lay it down and say, Lord, I just, I just want to be with you. The people who live the Christian lifestyle is not because they don't have... Uh, full-time job. It's nothing to, there's, there's people in the church who don't live the Christian lifestyle and they're super busy with church work. Okay. I'm not busy with church work because, because I really live the Christian lifestyle. I didn't, I, I, I see what the Lord's trying to show me. It's like, you've got to show them what the Christian lifestyle is. 
Now it's going to look different. Let me say this. It won't look that different because serving is serving. So wherever you're working, you're serving. Okay. Healing the sick, healing the sick, wherever God really moves on you to heal the sick. Um, Solving people's problems is solving people's problems. Helping people is helping people. Do you understand what I'm saying? But here's the key. Holy Spirit will always draw you close to Jesus and the Father. And that's why you're as close to God as you want to be. You're as close to God as you choose to lay down anything that gets in the way of intimacy and relationship with God. It's a fun thing. It's a glorious thing. It's a place where you delight in him. It's not a place to just make you feel better about you because this isn't about you. It's just a place where he's everything. He's really everything. It's a place where you know, even though you don't want to go through anything bad, it's a place where you know nothing that really matters anyone can take out of my life. No matter what, no matter what happens. I mean, no matter what, his grace is sufficient. No matter what, um, he, he has an unshakable kingdom. And we're in the season of shaking everything that can be shaken. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's not going to go away. This is staying all the way till his return. Woohoo! Okay, this is staying. He's going to shake everything that can be shaken. Does that mean you won't? I think I'm going to keep all my houses, to be quite honest. Because I wasn't even trying to have houses. Why? Because they don't have me. If they shake, they shake. If they don't, they don't. He can bless. He can bless. He wants to bless his people. He wants to bless us to shine, but he doesn't want to bless a, a idolatry of a lifestyle. And he's got to be the one to show you this. Okay, All right. Okay, now the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves and the wind. But in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the sea. We're supposed to be able to do this. You know, that time he spent with the Father, twice we see in this one little chapter, alone, after pouring out all day, solving problems, preaching, everything else. He was so full of the presence of God that he he could walk on water and go and rebuke the enemy attacking these guys. I'm not going to get into more. We don't have time. But my prayer and my hope is, and what Holy Spirit wants to do with this, is to stir some of you up who will let him to go read the Gospels brand new. Read the Gospels brand new. Get excited about reading them. Like, you know what? I, really, I do. I want, to see, I want to see this lifestyle of Jesus. Not to imitate it in the flesh, but to yield to Holy Spirit to live it out. I want to live in this unshakable kingdom. I don't want to just say, oh, that's because they're this or they have that. Con-. No, this is the lifestyle. He shows you what it is. You'll see he, he showed up. He actually showed up in the temple 
when they had the things for the temple, but he showed up in the synagogue all the time. It doesn't tell us he preached all the time. We know he did sometimes. He just showed up. I mean, just real quick, if you think about it, he, he went to wedding parties where they were drinking. He turned the water into wine. But I never see that, that he drank and never got drunk. I don't think he ever got drunk. I think he was right. He says, I have, I have, I have um, wine you know not of. The joy of the Lord was his strength, right? And some people take that and get into bondage and call it liberty. Don't call your bondage liberty. Ask why. Why would I want to do something that the world does that I can't see any reason for doing it in the kingdom? Why? The why is the big question on everything. Why? Why would it be so hard for me to give away clothes to people who don't need them? I'm, I'm, I'm fine with people who need them. Why? Why? Ask God the why questions. Why would a Christian want to drink alcohol? Why would a Christian want tattoos? Why? Why? Why would a Christian want to put into office somebody who murders babies? And we literally know that, that Baal, the power of Baal, which is a demonic, very strong prince, has to have that blood fed to take over a nation. Why? Why would anybody think that that's okay? What are the lies? Why? Because when you start to ask God why, and you want to hear his answer, okay, because it's never usually pretty. I've never asked God a why question from why did Lauren die and get a really cute, hyper-spiritual thoughts answer. I've never heard him blame anybody else. He just tells you, you, this is your issue. Now give it to me, I died for it. This is where you missed me. Now repent and watch how I can bring something good out of something bad. See, these are, this is how we live in the kingdom. And only Holy Spirit can show us these things. And only Holy Spirit can order our steps. I can't order your steps. I have no intentions of ordering your steps. Don't try to make me, I'm not doing it. I can have wisdom from God. I can be used by God to help you. But when I look at scripture and I see the ways of God, my wisdom that's even based on Bible, if he's not showing me that for you for that moment, could be completely the wrong thing to do. But when you lay down all your idols and you decide I'm going to live in the kingdom and I want the kingdom lifestyle for me, what is my, I want every, everybody here to think, no matter how much the devil's beat you up or whatever, or how puffed up you are, what is it 
that Jesus really did and loved doing on a regular basis that you're already walking in. If there's nothing, then get in the Word and get a Christian lifestyle going, right? But some of you could say, well, I really love this. You know, I really love when I get to do this. I really love serving. I really love hospitality. I really love preaching. I really love sharing. I really love helping people. I really love counseling. And you can begin to see what he's placed in you that he wants to be in charge of for his glory. And that's not going to get stronger and more powerful until you let go of being double-minded or let go of trying to, don't use your gifts to serve the world. Don't use your gifts to make money, although God will give you a way to make money, but your heart is to serve him. Start opening your heart. Lord, I want to see what, what you want me to do here. Why am I here? Am I here to intercede and pray? Why am I at this job? What is it? You know, our life should be a life that the Christian lifestyle should be a life of yielding, always talking to God. Lord, Lord, show me. Why am I here? What should I do? Is there something you want me to do? Is there something you want me to pray? Why are you showing me this? I say that, Lord, all the time. Why are you showing me this? Why are you showing me this? There's other people, Lord, who could do some more with this than me. These people would listen to them. And it doesn't matter. He's maybe showing them too. I'm showing you this to intercede. I'm showing you this to pray. I'm showing you this to, to preach this message. I'm showing you this for my glory. I'm excited for the first time ever. Okay, I'll be honest. I bought a building in Newport News for one reason. Well because I got it miraculously, because I had no money. The ministry had no money, almost no money. And I walked in. I wasn't even thinking about buying a building at all, because I had no money. I wasn't even thinking about owning anything. I wasn't thinking about any of that. And then my brother, who's a business person, says, wow, you're paying that much for rent. You just want to buy a building. And that was God having him speak that. I couldn't quit thinking about it. And I had never even thought I could buy a building. Plus, God had me read a book about it a couple of days before I bought this building. And it was amazing. And then I wanted a building in Williamsburg, you guys. I found a building that I could have worked out a deal with the pastor there and let him use it part of the time and us use it part of the time and help him out and help us out. And it was a pretty building. It was all fancy. The seats were fancy. And this is hilarious. The main reason I didn't buy it, well, the staff didn't want it because they didn't want to drive all the way to Williamsburg. That was part of it. So, okay. And it wasn't off of a main road, so it would be harder for people to get there. Here's the hilarious part. I thought it was too small. I thought we'd have this filled up in no time. And guess what? I was wrong. We'd probably be a nice-sized congregation there. We could probably handle about 50 more than it's here now. <clears throat> there have been some seasons where we've been too big. But my vision was, like, too big for that building. My vision was too big. It didn't need any work at all. It had a nice parking lot. It was a completely little, cute, little old-fashioned church. It had nice, nothing had to be done. 
And it was right outside my neighbor. Like I would have been two, less than two miles away. And then I walked in here. There was no, this was no ceiling on here. The, the walls were filthy. There was like nasty insulation hanging all down. There was concrete on the floor. Um, there was all kinds of animal stuff here and there. I mean, it was nasty. This was a garage with the doors open. And I walked in and I was like, oh, I can see the pulpit there. I could see this here. There were no chairs. I'm thinking we get the trucks out of here. I mean, I was like, the whole place. Some of the staff was like in shock. Like, oh my God, she's got to be kidding. And I think Karen was in shock. But then Karen and I went to this little back office, which is actually Karen's office now. And there was mouse turds all over the place. And it was just nasty as all could be. And the power of God hits us. We both start shaking and we're like, this is our building. And then it was amazing. No banquet had given me a loan. I had no idea a bank wouldn't give me a loan. I had no idea. I just didn't even think of asking the bank. So I asked the person. And the wife said, oh, no, we're, we're never going to, we're, we're only going to sell it. You know, you have to get a bank loan. Then I asked the husband who owned it, and he did it. And it was one miracle after the other, after the other were totally debt-free, were debt-free um, way before the loan would have been paid up. And I'm friends with the people who we bought it from. I, I never prayed, oh God, have them give it to us. I don't need people to give me buildings. I have God. He's bigger. And I like this building. I don't want a fancy building. I'll take one if he makes me take one for his purposes, but I, I, I'm not trying to get one. But I had no idea he wanted me to be in a dangerous place to change it. I had no idea that he wanted a very interracial group, that he wanted people from all different backgrounds, and he wanted people who were really hungry for him, and he was going to make it hard for them to find us and hard for them to get here, and he knows what he's doing and how amazing is God. And I'm so thankful for him in charge and not me. I'm so thankful that he is the one who's directing our path. And he's the one changing my heart. And he's the one who's putting his character in me. And he's the one who wants me to have his lifestyle and not the lifestyle. Look at our TV shows. Lifestyle of the rich and famous. American Idol. I'm personally very thankful that what God is doing right now, what Satan meant for evil, God turned to good. I'm thankful to see um, black American families on commercials and television shows where they're not the criminals and they're not always housekeepers and they're not always poor and beat up. I'm thankful for that. People perish without vision. At the same time, my prayer is that we would get vision for what it's really supposed to be like to be in the kingdom. What it's really supposed to be like to be in the kingdom. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. 
then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 